Studio Software presents Story of a Studio, where we meet with recording studio owners and audio professionals, hear of their passions, and share their unique stories with you. Hey, this is Brady Hogard with Sonido Software. Today we are meeting with Steve Camo with Bass Lab Studio. So Steve, very excited to be here. You have an incredibly uh, unique studio space. Um, yeah, uh, trying to build um, a good sounding uh, room in an extra wide shipping container is definitely not without its challenges. Um, this is built in uh, extra wide, 10 and a half foot wide by 25 foot uh, shipping container. Um, and it presented um, quite a list of challenges trying to get something like this in this room and get it to be functional. Sure, sure. I can imagine. I, I definitely want to dive into that sure. here in a little bit and, and get to know your studio space. But you know, before we get there, I'd love to rewind a little bit and uh, hear about you. Hear about you know early early stages of Steve. How did you uh -huh. how did you build passion around audio? What what got you interested in getting into the audio industry? Well, um, I grew up in a place called Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, which is on the east coast of Canada, and. Um, I started getting into bands at age 16, 17, and um, just through necessity, uh, ended up uh, learning how to do basic recording and things um, for the musical projects that I was in. There was a local sort of um, sound or audio art co-op called the Center for Art Tapes, um, and I sort of hooked up with them at um, 17, and through working with them, um, sort of got my feet wet and learned the basic skills of being an audio engineer and a producer. Um, and then from there, um, I ended up opening up one of Halifax's first 24-track recording studios in about 1992 um, and ran with that for a few years. Um, and then sort of uh, got sidetracked um, for a little while doing television production. Um, and then around 2000... Seven, I think it was, um, I decided to get back into music. And um, when that happened, I didn't have any sort of proper space or technology or anything. And technology had really changed um, since the mid 90s. And that's when I sort of had to equip myself with the skills to learn how to design a room, proper acoustics, um, what the state of the art with digital technologies were and things like that. And that sort of carried on through um, in 2011, I moved to Salt Lake and um, continued to sort of pursue my passion with music. And it just so happens that, you know, various opportunities opened up not only for me to work as an engineer, as a producer, but I've actually sort of designed and built a few studios for other people. That's great. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll talk about that. That's, that's terrific. So, so, so going back, you know, your first studio that you built out, a 24-track studio, uh, about how old were you when, when you built that first studio? 22, 23. Okay, okay. Yeah. Tell us about that experience. I mean, what did you learn from, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd been learning uh, engineering through your experience uh, in Nova Scotia, but uh, I mean, building your first studio and, and running that as a business, what, what did you learn? Oh, I learned um, a lot of lessons. Um, it, you know, it's a hard racket regardless of where you're at. Um, well, the big lesson for me is, was that you sort of have to manage what you do um, or something you've had as a passion that you've turned into a business will quickly turn into drudgery and you'll lose all your passion for it. 
So the big lesson I walked away from that first studio um, was um, having to work with every band that came through the door or take advantage of every opportunity that appeared very quickly destroyed my sort of love of the process and my love of the art. And it took a little while to recover from that. So now um, when I build studios like this, I don't put myself in a position where I'm financially uh, dependent on them you know, for um, sort of my own sustenance. And it allows me to be much more selective with who I work with to ensure that I don't experience a high level of burnout or you know, have what I do, which I love, turn into drudgery. Yeah, no, that makes sense, that makes sense. So the 90, how, how many years did you have that first studio? Three or four. Three or four, okay. So in the 90s, um, what was the music scene like there in Nova Scotia? Was it getting into grunge or was that? Yeah, Halifax was there? called the Seattle of the East for many years. Okay. It was bands like Sloan and Plumtree. Um, and it was a, uh, I do feel quite privileged having uh, had the opportunity to grow up in that music scene because even for a small city of 250,000 people, it was a, a very vibrant um, and fantastic scene. And there was a real camaraderie or family-like vibe amongst musicians in that city, sort of regardless of the genre that you were um, playing or creating in. That's terrific. That's really neat. So, so fast forward a little bit. You talked a little bit about the changes, obviously, you know, coming from, you know, the early 90s into the yeah. 2000s technology, things started to change. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges that you went through in your audio production career with those technology changes? Or, or did it come easy to you? Um, I wouldn't say it was a, a necessarily um, a challenge learning the new technology. I found that the new technology um, didn't allow you to sort of fudge things the way you um, were um, with systems that, you know, were not as um, true or didn't sound as good. So um, when I got back into it and things were all being done um, in workstations, DAWs with plugins and all that, it really required me to up my game significantly um, because the quality was there and I had to sort of match that quality um, skill-wise. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the big challenge and that's sort of uh, <clears throat> the challenge all along. I've been at this for 35 years um, and it's one of those things that only now do I feel like I've actually gotten to the point where I'm doing work that I'm happy with. Really? Yeah. Um, so it takes a long while to train your ears and to develop your understanding um, and get to the point. And it's an ongoing process. It's not like I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I think I'm at a plateau and uh, won't get better. I think I'll just continue to learn as long as I do this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's true for a lot of uh, audio professionals, right? Over time, you 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 think you're doing well and then you listen back and say man i didn't know what i didn't know and yeah yeah um it's it's such a learning process and that's great that you've stuck with it for so long um okay so we're sitting in your studio space <coughs> uh -huh. a very very cool space um base lab studio tell us a little bit about you know how this came about how long you've been in business here and you know where does the name come from well uh, um to me, one of the most difficult things to get right, regardless of the genre of music you do, is the low end. And because I do a lot of electronic music, uh, the low end is of supreme importance. Mm -hmm. um, designing rooms, studios um, that have uh, you know good low end response where you can hear the low end 
is sort of the biggest acoustical challenge. Um, higher frequencies are easily addressed uh, via absorption, um, but the low and the sub-low is all math, structure, um, a much higher level of sort of challenge involved. So I call it Bass Lab because all the studios I've built, um, the struggle has been to get a room that has really fantastic bass response so that the bass isn't too heavy, so you end up making your mixes light, mm -hmm. or the bass is too light and you're making your mixes heavy. Yeah. So um, to me, that is the uh, greatest challenge in designing any studio or control room is getting the low end right. Uh, so that's why it's called Bass Lab. That's, that's neat. That's really terrific. What have you done in your studio space to, to build a better environment for the low end or better, uh, better treat the space for the low end? Uh, yeah, there's only so much you can do with a sort of shitty metal box that's 10 <laughs> by 25 feet, but on the rear wall of the studio there's uh, three feet of Owens Corning 705 um, behind all that acoustic treatment, and on the other side there's a foot of 705, and I deliberately replaced the steel doors um, of this container on either end uh, and replaced it with wood um, so that there is a bit of transference and not as much of a sort of hard reflection of the super low. And the ceiling is uh, four inches of um, 705 with a six inch gap. So the entire ceiling of this place is one giant bass trap. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, and then wherever I could, um, I put as much absorption in as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and your experience in designing studios. So h how many of you designed? What, what number is this? I think this is number six. Okay. Okay. Talk to us about <clears throat> that experience, you know, from the first that you started building out and, and how, you know, what, what has your experience been in building out these studio spaces? Um, I find them interesting uh, challenges. The idea of creating a space that is not only sort of uh, technically sound from the perspective of, you know, the frequency response of the room and being a decent room to work in, as well as being sort of aesthetically pleasing. Um, and what happened was, is you know, the first studio I made was way back in the day when I said I was in Halifax and I helped this arts co-op uh, build a new studio, and I learned a lot from that process, and then. You know, every time you build a room, you build a studio, um, you learn a lot and you sort of have to live with the flaws and the mistakes you've made. Um, and because of that, it sort of just encouraged me to sort of undertake a never-ending sort of process of learning um, with each room. Luckily, I've had uh, the opportunity to work with some interesting people. Um, Ethan Warner, the guy who founded Real Traps um, on a couple projects, has been a huge resource um, and I've been very honored and flattered that he will pick up the phone anytime I call and run some crazy idea by him, uh, you know, for any of these different studios that I've built. Mm -hmm. um, so he's taught me a lot and I've read a lot and it's just sort of trial and error with a bunch of other stuff. That's great. That's, that's terrific. So uh, as far as your services here with Bass Lab Studio, yep. um, you're doing audio, yep. you do mixing, you do mastering. Mm -hmm. uh, what other services do you offer through <clears throat> the studio? Uh, I also have... Um, experience as a video post-production uh, person. I did a lot of that when I was in art school. Um, and since then, I've set this place up uh, as a post facility with DaVinci Resolve. Um, and I'm doing a lot of video post color correction um, here as well as audio. 
Okay, okay. Well, and thinking about the industry today, yeah, with audio production, um, it's 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 always evolving. It's all, and it's always been changing, right? Yeah, yeah. But w- how do you feel? Uh, how important is it for engineers and producers to, you know, cross those boundaries? You know, they they do audio. Is it important for them to learn about video as well these days? Or, um, I don't know. It's necessarily important. Um, I think that a lot of the the skills and, and um, the sort of intellectual processes are very similar. Um, for instance, I just got into color grading uh, video footage, and it's very analogous to mastering audio in the sense that you know you have to have a calibrated monitor and you have to develop a sense of what you know looks g- good and what doesn't. In the same way, you train your ears mastering um, to understand what is good or not. And plus, there's a certain aesthetic choices you make based on the media you're working with or the particular project mm-hmm. and I found learning color grading as a part of video post like I say is is almost the exact same mindset as mastering audio wow yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah That's but neat. if you don't have interest in video like I don't see there necessarily being an upside um, to incorporating video into your business unless it's sort of a natural fit uh, because it's a a, a whole world a whole new market whole new community whole new set of skills that unless you know there's some very clear and direct benefit i i don't see how that would augment most conventional studios although if you're lucky enough to do sound for picture or composition for picture um, that is definitely a a much more direct tie-in between a conventional audio studio and some sort of video production process you bet you bet well that's that's great i appreciate that uh that, that feedback. Uh, so tell me now, uh, th- this is this is something that is a focal point in your studio and, and something I just wanted to address. You've got your desk, uh, not the traditional chair and, you know, tall, you know, yeah, studio yeah. desk. Tell me about, we're, we're sitting on cushions. Uh, we're looking at a desk that's what, about eight, 18, 12 to 18 inches off the ground. Tell me about your environment here what what do you like about the setup or why did you intentionally design your space this way well i like to joke that um you know it just means there's um less distance for me to fall uh (laughs) when i've had too much whiskey um but uh there's an acoustic reason for it and that is in any room the absolute worst listening position is between halfway between two surfaces so um we um we adjust for this in this on this axis because we need a consistent stereo image left to right Um, but the other axis um, you know you want to avoid being in the exact center and by um, having this my ear is far removed from the midpoint between the physical barrier the ceiling and the floor and it just produces a better sort of acoustic uh, result if you think of most rooms you know, there the ceilings are eight feet tall or whatever. When you sit in your chair, um, your ear is almost directly at the midpoint of the vertical axes, and that's n- not the most optimum listening position. Mm-hmm. I also find this very comfortable um, yeah. to work in, um, having the meditation cushions and sort of keeping everything low to the floor. That's terrific. Well, you have a very beautiful space. Thank you. Uh, seems like it's very, very functional and, and very suitable for for you and your personality and, and all that you've put into the 
the studio space. So really appreciate you letting me come by and, and visit Base sure. Lab Studio. And uh, we wish you the very best in all that you do and can't wait to hear more of your work as it's produced <clears throat> and, and comes out. Ah, excellent. Yeah, thanks for coming by and giving me the opportunity to sort of show people what we got going on here. Thank you.